Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. I'm Jeff, I'm the publisher and co-founder of Single Tracks, and today we've got three interesting stories for you, including eight must-visit mountain bike resorts. We also have a review from John of the KTM Myroon mountain bike, and we're going to start things off with a review of an $80 high-def action camera from a company called Suku. This is a camera you may not have heard about before, but it's actually a pretty good camera. The Suku C100 is an HD action camera priced well under 100 bucks, and you can pick one up online for $79.95. It looks just like a GoPro, but the important question is, does it work as well as one? I had to find out. From a distance, you could easily mistake the Suku for a GoPro with its signature shape and waterproof case. Suku claims the camera plus case is waterproof down to 30 meters. The C10 shoots video at up to 1920 by 1080 at 30 frames per second or 1280 by 720 at 60 frames per second. There's also a still camera mode which shoots 12 megapixel shots. Soku includes a raft of additional features like the ability to use the C10 as a PC web camera or motion sensor, though mountain bikers probably won't get overly excited about those things. The lens sports a wide 170 degree field of view and there's a one and a half inch LCD display on the back of the camera for setting up shots and replaying videos. The C10 includes HDMI and USB output and is micro SD card compatible up to 32 gigabytes. Battery life is claimed at an hour plus when recording video at full resolution. Like the GoPro, there are just a couple buttons to operate this camera. To avoid all those menus, Suku offers free iPhone and Android apps, which connect to the camera via Wi-Fi. While I was able to successfully connect my phone to the camera to browse video files, I wasn't ever able to actually preview shots or start and stop the camera via the app. Suku seems to have done their best to make the mounting system compatible with all the GoPro accessories on the market. The company includes a ton of mounts in the box, making it possible to mount the C10 to a helmet, handlebars, or pretty much anywhere you want to mount it. I found the mounts to be a little shaky and hard to get dialed, but to be fair, I've always found the same thing with GoPro mounts too. The camera by itself weighs about 60 grams and feels pretty solid. The rechargeable battery is replaceable, so in theory you could pack a bag full of extra batteries to document an epic adventure. With just a power button and a record button on top, the Suku is pretty easy to use on the trail. However, I found on multiple occasions that the camera would get turned on while in a pack or bag because the power switch is just too sensitive. On the one hand, I spent less time on the trail asking, is the camera on, but more time being frustrated with having the battery run down before I even got a chance to record. The overall video quality from the C10 is impressive, though compared to more expensive cameras like the Garmin Verb, the colors seem a bit washed out and not as bright. It's possible to fiddle with the video settings on the Suku to get things just right, but I found it wasn't worth the effort, particularly since those settings would need to be changed again to adapt to changing conditions. But still photos came out pretty well, even in outdoor situations. The LCD screen works well outdoors, even in sunny conditions. Sound recorded with the C10 is definitely muffled when used in conjunction with the waterproof case, so for fixed shots, I generally use the camera naked. Since the C10 looks so similar to the GoPro Hero, it's impossible not to draw comparisons. The C10's tech specs roughly line up with the GoPro Hero Plus LCD camera, which retails for $299, though the GoPro can record high-speed footage at a higher resolution and gets much better battery life than the Soku. However, unlike the GoPro, the C10 includes a bike mount right out of the box. 
For occasional mountain bike orators, the Suku seems like a pretty good choice with all the features needed to get the job done. Plus, at less than $80, losing or damaging this camera on the trail is potentially less painful than with other cameras. Since this is a camera, you're definitely going to want to check out the video samples and photos that we posted on single tracks. Next up, I wanted to share a list of eight must-visit mountain bike getaway resorts. With summer winding down, there's no better time to plan a weekend mountain bike getaway for the fall. Unlike the big ski resorts, these mountain bike getaways typically offer lower rates, a more laid-back vibe, and amenities and services that even the big guys can't match. Plus, most, if not all, of these picks are owned and operated by mountain bikers. Here are eight must-visit spots for your upcoming mountain bike weekend trip. First on the list, we have the Bike Farm in Pisgah, North Carolina. The Bike Farm is located in Pisgah National Forest and offers mountain bikers a true glamping experience. Riders can choose to stay in one of the four-season platform tents that boast real beds, electricity, and fans. The Bike Farm features hot showers, restrooms, the owners offer guiding services, and they will even set you up with a rental bike. Next up, we have Flat Rock Ranch in Comfort, Texas. Flat Rock Ranch is located in Texas Hill Country, northwest of San Antonio, and features 27 miles of single track trails and Jeep roads. Riders are required to pay a $7 daily riding fee, but a primitive campsite costs just three bucks more. The Little Rock House on the ranch can be reserved for those looking for a less primitive overnight experience. Flat Rock Ranch hosts mountain bike races during the year, but keep in mind, the ranch closes near the end of October each year for hunting season. Long Trail Ranch in Bailey, Colorado. The Buffalo Creek mountain bike trails are among the most popular in the state of Colorado, if not the whole USA, and the Long Trail Ranch is located just a couple pedal strokes away. There are three rooms to choose from and riders have full access to the kitchen, Wi-Fi, and laundry facilities during their stay. The owners even offer guided rides Monday through Friday. Mulberry Gap in LJ, Georgia. Mulberry Gap is located less than a mile from the Penhody Trail with easy access to one of North Georgia's most popular rides, the Bear Creek P1 P2 Loop. There are even a few short trails on the property with an excellent skills course to play on. Mountain bikers can choose to stay in one of the cabins on site or pitch a tent beside the stream. Mulberry Gap offers prepared meals, inexpensive shuttles starting at just 15 bucks, and even guided multi-day tours. Day riders can choose to park a car at Mulberry Gap for 10 bucks, which includes use of the restrooms, showers, and Wi-Fi. Pure Mountains in Granada, Spain. Pure Mountains operates a quote Ecolux farmhouse located in Spain's Sierra Nevada mountain range with an on-site pump track and cross-country circuit course. Of course, the big draw for mountain bikers is the massive network of, quote, ancient tracks running from the doorstep. Meals and drinks are included in the price of accommodations, and Pure Mountains offers bike rentals, SAG support, and guiding services, so riders don't have to worry about a thing. Red Agave in Sedona, Arizona. The Red Agave bills itself as the only resort in Sedona that caters to the adventurous crowd. The resort is located directly behind the Bike and Bean Bike Shop and features mountain biker-friendly amenities like hot tubs and a fire pit. The bike shop offers a huge fleet of rental bikes and, yes, morning coffee. Reeb Ranch in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Reeb Ranch is almost too good to be true. An on-site bike park, access to the massive DuPont State Forest trail system, scenic accommodations, and even an old-fashioned swimming hole. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Reed Branch is owned and operated by Oscar Blues Brewery. Finally, the Whitefish Bike Retreat in Whitefish, Montana. Cricket Butler started the Whitefish Bike Retreat to, quote, share a passion for cycling and share experiences with others finding their way on a bike. The retreat features camping and a large bunk lodge with amenities like private rooms, a shared kitchen, showers, laundry, and Wi-Fi. 
Whitefish Bike Retreat is located right on the Whitefish Trail and is just four miles from the popular Spencer Mountain Trail. Mountain bikers will definitely appreciate the bike wash, community tools, and indoor bike storage available to those staying in the bunk lodge. So these are eight incredible places that you can go and stay with your mountain bike. And I actually talked to a rider last week who visited Reeb Ranch after reading this article. And he told me he had an incredible time riding in the forest and hanging out at the pump track with his kids. And during his stay, he even met Dale's mom of Dale's Pale Ale. Last week, I actually talked to a rider who read this article and ended up going to Reeb Ranch. And it sounded like he had a blast. Finally, we've got a review of the KTM Myroon Prestige mountain bike. This is from John Fish, and it's another one of his Outer Bike test reviews. Outer Bike was full of surprises. One came while wandering down the second aisle looking for my next demo bike and spotting a tent with the letters KTM. Doesn't KTM make motorcycles? I knew they did since I had ridden them, and while I never had any delusions of becoming a pro motocrosser, I knew enough to know they made some very rad dirt bikes. But mountain bikes? This was worth investigating. The surprises piled up as I found out KTM had actually started making bicycles before they made motorcycles. However, this was their inaugural year trying to break into the American market. I decided then and there to be at the forefront of checking out this longtime bicycle maker slash first time importer to the US. Having not done my homework on this particular brand, I let the KTM rep help me select from a couple hardtails and a slightly larger stable of fullies. After a brief discussion, I was headed out with what I suspect will be the highest end bicycle I will ever throw a leg over, no matter how long I live. He hooked me up with the top end Myroon Prestige, a total thoroughbred carbon hardtail race rig retailing at $8,500. Just as they do at their most uncompromising racing motocrossers, KTM spared absolutely no expense in making the Myroon Prestige the ultimate podium chaser. The parts kit included a component list you would expect to find if deliberately trying to put out the most expensive bike you could, including a full array of top shelf XTR goodies and the uber modern RockShox RS1 fork. While the component selection showed up well in the price, I was keen to find out if it would show in the ride. The frame is a very svelte monocoque carbon that just screams light and fast. With the ultralight parts kit and fork, the whole rig barely hits the 19 pound mark. This lack of heft was immediately apparent as any pedaling motion launched that stiff frame like a jet being catapulted off a carrier deck. Amazingly, it does so smoothly and dare I say even somewhat comfortably. What was even more amazing was how the bike didn't beat up my backside like most purely purpose-driven cross-country bikes do. I thought KTM must have a supply of special Austrian fairy dust they sprinkle on these frames to make them this compliant without losing any of the stiffness so crucial to cross-country racing. Actually, the magic comes from a relatively flat leaf spring-like profile in the seat and chainstays that significantly reduces chatter. I had some reservations as I set out from the tent on my first ever ride on a RockShox RS1 fork, as I had heard mixed results from those I knew who had tried one. Initially, I was totally underwhelmed, but thought that might be due to the fork being set soft. So I swooped back to the tent and after pumping the fork up slightly higher than the chart indicated for my weight, I hit the trail again and was much more gratified. The fork had amazing small bump sensitivity, yet didn't buckle when I veered off the buff and charged rock sections. I did, however, notice some flex when laying the bike over into the high-speed corners. This, combined with the hyper-light, thin-walled, Schwalbe Thunderbird tires, occasionally led to skittish cornering. On the plus side, the Thunderbirds are, in addition to being very light, almost entirely devoid of rolling resistance. 
I fear they might also be devoid of traction, but they gripped well in both the hard-packed and sandy sections of Moab's brand trails. While they did flex a bit in the hard cornering, it was never enough to spook me, and the more I rode, the more comfortable I became, eventually throwing the Myroon around corners like I would any other bike. Upon returning the bike, I did notice some telltale streaks running radially out from the rim, indicating that some sealant had escaped on a few occasions, most likely during high-G maneuvers. KTM has brought a new model to the U.S. intended to give them instant race credibility, and the Myroon Prestige should do exactly that. My only complaints are those based on, one, the price, but KTM has a full line of less expensive but still high-quality hardtails, and two, those driven by my weight, but the relative weakness of this bike would never be noticed by the more typical 150-pound cross-country rider rather than a 200-pound bull-in-a-china-shop rider like me. While I could drive the Myroon through the occasional rough section, it is still a true race day only mount. If you're looking for the most uncompromising race rig you can find and are either independently wealthy or well-sponsored, then this one is worth checking out. Those are all the stories for today. Be sure to join us tomorrow for more from the Singletracks podcast. Peace.